Hi, well, welcome to Courtney's podcast. Exactly. Lucas, you're already doing all the intros for me and everything. That's so great. <laughs> this has right. been a Courtney podcast. <laughs> sponsored by Courtney. Thanks, Lucas. Yeah, that's I just sponsor myself. That's all I do. Let's talk about films and shit. now hey guys welcome to ghost facing it the podcast where i talk favorite films with some of my favorite people and we are still in the fun quarantine for everybody uh but this week instead of doing movies where characters are locked down we are going to take you to another part of the world from your couch uh and to help me with that i have my brother lucas back on lucas how are you I'm back, everyone. Did you miss me? I know it's only been a few weeks this time. I know. Look, look how look how many new guests you have. You have me, and then me, and then me, and then mom, and then me, <laughs> and then <probably>. you again. <laughs> uh, yes. How are you doing? How how are you still living your best uh kind of pandemic life? I guess, for lack of a better word. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm chilling. We're like what. Six weeks in now, fine. I don't, you know, I don't know what life was like before this, but I guess I don't need to. I was going to say, it's been six weeks or five years. I don't really know. I think time is a construct that just doesn't exist anymore. So, you know, it's been a while. I'm doing good, doing good, watching a lot of movies. In my head, like when this first started, I was like, this is so great. I'm going to watch so many movies that I've never seen before. And mostly I've just watched movies that I have indeed seen before. Well, that's good because you're, uh, this is all about uh, movies that you have seen before. So actually you're researching. You have to think, you have to think about these things positively. I was going to say, that's a good way to spin it. Yes, I'm researching for my podcast where I rewatch old films. I will say I've been watching a lot of new TV, but movies, it's been a lot of old movies. Yeah. So, well, but, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, you go ahead. After you. <laughs> All right. Well, like I was telling them earlier, uh, today, instead of um, showcasing a movie that kind of shows you things to do while you're in lockdown, we're going to take people across the world from their couch, kind of get them, let, let them live vicariously through some characters. So, Lucas, which movie are we talking about today? Um, we are we're going to talk about the fifth movie in the Fast and Furious franchise, which I believe is stylized as Fast Five. It is, and later, I do definitely want to talk about the titles of the Fast and Furious franchise, because they make absolutely no sense sometimes, but they are some of my favorite titles ever, particularly Too Fast and Too Furious, which, I mean... Too Fast, Too Furious, just great. It it is great. Great titling there. It is, but yes, the titles of this franchise are a little odd, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, But yes, we'll be taking you to the streets of Rio with uh, one of... This is just one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I think it's definitely my favorite in the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, but Lucas, you are not doing the 30-second summary today. No, I, I thought you could because you have such a passion for this. I do. Um, it's, th- it's sad. <laughs> it, you know, it's not sad. We're here to talk about movies. I just think, you know, if I do it, there just won't be as many um, amazing details in it. I, I mean, I, me doing it, there's not going to be amazing details in it either. And I, I give you... people... What'd you say? Oh. Um, sorry, I was going to ask, have you done the 30-second summary before? I did. Remember, we did it for... My second episode was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. 
And I think I, I came in at like 30 seconds and I ended with the wonderful, obvious statement that Nazis are bad. So, you know. That's, you know, you just have to get that in every single time, don't you? You get ge you get gems in there. It's something like I feel like you shouldn't have to say, kind of like some other things that have surfaced this week. Like, you know, you shouldn't have to say Nazis are bad, but I guess that's a thing that you have to reiterate to people. Also, while we're talking about it, uh, please do not ingest or inject disinfectant. That also was something that had to be said this week, yeah, unfortunately. That's a, that's a big, big thing where you are, isn't it? Unfortunately. God bless America. <laughs> All right. So anyway, let's get back to uh, let's get back to, to Fast Five in the 30-second summary. Um, Lucas, will you time me and count me down? Yeah, I will. So um, tell me when you're ready, and then you'll get the countdown. All right. I'm ready. Let's see if I can do this. All right, three, two, one, go. Uh, we start after the fourth film where they break Dom out of prison and are on the run in Rio. Uh, while in Rio, they come, they do a job and come across a major crime lord, um, and they decide that they are going to steal from this crime lord and use the, the $100 million to kind of buy their freedom to countries where they can't be extradited. So they assemble a team of all the crews from all the different Fast and Furious movies, uh, and it ends with this big uh, heist, and it ends with the, the safe rolling. Oh, you got, thought you I got was there doing really well. I know. Yeah, I thought I, I, I mean, that was a short 30 seconds. I mean... I don't know. That was 30 seconds. That felt really um, short, especially because time's been moving so slowly lately. I was like, that 30 seconds, I have plenty I mean, of time. Go back and time it. Go back and time it yourself when you, uh, when you edit this. Maybe, uh, maybe I did you dirty. You did not do me dirty. I'm, I'm sure that was 30 seconds. I was like, oh, I got plenty of time. I almost got it, though. But I, I think I still did okay. Yeah, you got to the end bit. Do you want to? Do you want to finish up what happens? Or we? Yes. We don't want to spoil this um, nine-year-old movie to anyone. Ah, uh, I don't know. Should we? Yeah, I will. Well, because the movie ends with one of my favorite chase scenes ever, which is they attach the vault to two cars and they end up driving the safe through Rio and using it. There's a car chase and they use it to smash into other cars. It's so good, Lucas. I literally have like the dumbest smile on my face right now because it's one of my favorite scenes of all time. I'm. You know what? I fully believe you. <laughs> you fully believe I have a dumb smile <laughs> on my face. That's very nice of you. Thank you. Um, so as I mentioned, uh, in Fast Five, we go to Rio. And uh, the Fast and Furious franchise, I do want to talk about that a little bit because this is really interesting. Um, to me, and I don't know if you agree, Lucas, this movie kind of felt like a reset for the franchise because like, they kind of... Um, four brought back uh, Dom and Brian, so it brought back Vin Diesel and... Um, Paul Walker, um, who, after the first one, had each kind of done their own individual entries with uh, the Fast and Furious, so that the fourth one brought them together, and this one kind of changed the tone of the franchise. Um, I don't, I, I personally always felt this was a reset for everything, and obviously it led to how the franchise is now, but do you agree with that, Luke? Yeah, well, I mean, I've heard it described before as, like, um, it took five movies for them to find their footing. So, like, I don't know if I think of it as a reset because it is building off everything, but it's definitely, like, how we've talked about before, how, like, usually the second one is what... The second one in a franchise is usually what people associate the, like, um, traits of the franchise with it, whereas, like, it took, like, five movies for them to get there. So I think this is, like, the thing that defines the rest of the franchise, but what's good about it is it also 
retrospectively makes the rest of the movies matter too because it brings everyone back together. Yes, yeah, so, and like I mentioned, they, they assemble a crew that have appeared in all five movies. They also uh, establish a timeline. Um, Lucas, do you want to go in a little bit to how they establish a timeline with this? Yeah, I can't. I, I wasn't sure if it was in this movie or not, but I guess it is. Um, in two of the characters, Han and Giselle, Giselle, um, sorry, it's just fun to say, um, they fall <laughs> in love with each other. And then at the end of the movie, You've met Giselle from the fourth movie, and you met Han from the third movie, Tokyo Drift. And in the third movie, Han dies. So because he's in this movie, it means it must take place before Tokyo Drift. So you know that there is a, that sort of um, chronology. And then at the end of the movie, they talk about going back to Tokyo, and he's like, we don't have to go to Tokyo yet. And the audience knows that when he goes to Tokyo, obviously he's going to die. So it sets, it sets up this weird tension as well. I remember when we first saw it, I was like, well, that's weird because I don't think we—I don't think I had seen Tokyo Drift when I saw this movie, um, right. and then I saw it afterwards. But I was like, "That's weird that he's—that they're talking about this like it matters." And then when you know, it's like, "Oh, okay." So like, yeah, it is interesting that they built the chronology like that, like to find it. And I will say, um, cause I, I, and I only remember this because I just rewatched the fourth one yesterday. Um, Han is briefly in the fourth one as well. He's in the very beginning, um, before Letty gets killed. Um, I should also say Michelle Rodriguez is not in the fifth one because Letty dies. Uh, I say dies, quotation marks, uh, in the fourth one. Uh, but he's briefly in, um, he, they, they did a short film as well. So they did Los Bandoleros, which is a prologue to Fast and Furious, which is the fourth one. And Han's in the beginning of that, helping him out. And then Han says at the beginning of the fourth one, oh, maybe I'll go check out uh, Tokyo. So, like, when you saw the fourth one, you were like, oh, so maybe, you know, Han goes to Tokyo and then, you know, so, oh, maybe it's just one little movie ahead of it. But Fast Five really established, like, a solid yeah. timeline with it. Whereas, like, Fast I, Four, I th the fourth one that kind of hinted at it, like, this one actually establishes a timeline. Yeah, I like that um, they put the line in both of the movies because they were like, oh, yeah, we don't know what we're doing with the next one. <laughs> just just keep hinting at Tokyo, which they do get to uh, in the sixth one. Um yeah, and the post credit scene. Yes, and then of course, if you've seen the trailer for the ninth Fast and Furious movie, because we are on nine now, or will be next year, uh, Han is not dead. Uh, which I was, I was saying to a couple people, I was like, I don't want them to explain how he survived. I just want someone to say, Oh, you survived that car explosion, and that's it. That's all. That's the only explanation I want on it. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Um, we'll see what they do with it because. After the other thing about this, about Fast Five, is I think it's, I was thinking about this before I came on to talk about this. I think it's the one that has the perfect mix of both sides of the franchise. It has the like realistic bits of like the street racing and that sort of stuff. And it has a little bit of the ridiculousness of the movies that follow. But I think yes. for me, it's the perfect mix rather than being too ridiculous. Like Han and Letty coming back from the dead is, is fine. And I like those characters, so I'm fine with it. But it's, there's just a level of like, unbelievability that comes with it but it's also why i like it um yeah. and not that everything in fast five is realistic like they literally pull these one ton or two ton safes through the city which just wouldn't be able to happen no and i mean like that scene is just ridiculous and that's one of two like really great action scenes that i really love but we will get back to that because i do want to get back to the rest of the cast of characters so we have han uh who is from tokyo drift where he dies but he's also he's also 
when they talk, when, because Vin Diesel shows up at the end of Tokyo Drift and says, Han used to be part of my crew, so this is how we're seeing that. Uh, like you said, we have Giselle, who was in the fourth one. Um, but we also have uh, Tej and Roman, who are from Too Fast, Too Furious with Paul Walker, which took place in Miami. Um, we actually even have Eva Mendez shows up at the end. She was also in Too Fast and Too Furious, but yeah. she shows up in the end uh, with a post-credit sequence. Um, with and a then picture we, of Letty. With a picture of Letty. And it's a great post-credit sequence because you're like, oh, this movie was bonkers. And then it's like, wait, it has a post-credit se- scene like it's a Marvel movie. And they do. They kind of establish this universe, which I think is kind of great. Like, it's kind of nice to see something beyond comic book movies kind of have a universe. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I mean, it's what's great about The Fast and Furious is that it's not based on anything, and a lot of franchises are. Like, obviously, you have um, Star Wars, which isn't came from a movie as well, but there's so much stuff that's been made about Star Wars that there's always stuff to draw from, whereas Fast and Furious, it's just, it's just these movies. And because it's relatively new, it's only, like, early 2000s so like 20 years old um right. that's weird to say it's it's still you don't know what's coming and that's i think that's part of why people like it so much is that they can do whatever they want and whatever they do isn't going against anything that they've established as like a rule or anything that the fan base thinks defines fast and furious and actually they're starting to branch out even more because you had hobbs and shaw um last year um, which yeah. obviously Hobbs is uh, introduced uh, in this. Yes, they and then in this movie, um, as well as reuniting old characters, they add The Rock to the mix. I feel like they were like, "What could make this movie even more bonkers?" And they're like, "We could have The Rock hunting them." And you're just like, "Yeah, that works, and it does work. It really does." I actually think Hobbs works the best uh, in five and six, in my opinion. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of Hobbs and Shaw. Did you? Did you see Hobbs and Shaw, Lucas? Yeah, I saw it. I liked it. Um... I liked it enough, but I have, like, I, it's not that I have a problem with it. I just like the, like, world and the believable, not believability, but I like the world and, like, the emotions of 5, 6, and 7 for Fast and Furious, and then 8 and Hobbs and Shaw sort of go a little bit too far for me. Um, yes. But I still liked it. I really liked some of the um, action scenes in Hobbs and Shaw, and I liked some of the cinematography, which was nice. Um, I mean... Oh, well, I was going to say Hobbs and Shaw is like a very cleanly shot movie. And actually, a lot of the Fast and Furious movies are very cleanly shot. You know what I mean? Like, they're actually very, like, um, I feel like clean's like the wrong word. But do you know what I mean? Like, they're just very, like, they're very good looking action movies. They're very aesthetically pleasing movies. And yes. I think, um, well, I think when we're ta- when you're talking about, like, how the Fast and Furious is fun and stuff like that, I think it, there's also this presumption um of people looking down on it so like it sounds like whenever you're praising something it's like in spite of that but i think it all goes together well to make something that's entertaining and it is just a blockbuster film that's really fun it is and it's actually pretty accessible um even though like they're assembling this team um which i think the only the really quickly before we go on with that uh the only other members i didn't say were santo and leo um, who were in a little bit, they were in that Los Bandoleros short film in the fourth one, and they also come to Rio uh, to help. And then you have Mia, Dom, and Brian. Um, I don't think I'm forgetting anybody, am I? Giselle, Han. I don't think so. Roman, I mean, if Tej. You, if you have, they obviously weren't important enough to remember. Exactly. But yes, yeah, so they've assembled these teams. Um, and I, that's something I've always really loved about the Fast and Furious franchise. And I know, like, 
that's one of those things that people kind of make fun of it about because Dom always says, I don't have friends, I, I have family. And I know, like, everybody's like, oh, oh, oh. but it, these these films really are about a family. And I think that's something that I really love about it. And I, and when I say I'm, I do have to say sometimes, like, to people, because I'd be like, I love the Fast and Furious franchise. And they'll be like, okay. And I'd be like, no, unironically, I love these movies. I think they're great <laughs> movies. And you know, you know what I mean? Like, and I know... Like, even, like, Dad makes fun of them, although he likes the Triple X franchise, which I think is way more ridiculous than these movies, but that's besides <laughs> the point. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, there is that, like you said, like, there is that level where, like, these films do get shit sometimes, but I don't, I, I, I do, I ironically enjoy them, and they're a, they're, it's a fun franchise. Yeah, I mean, it's probably just, yeah, it's just, like, there's unironic parts of it where, like, they say sort of, cringy things that I think most people and things where they're trying to they want something that's a little bit more nuanced so they might make it seem like it's lowbrow but it's still fun and also as you say with family as the like emotional core of it it really makes it more universal to people and I think right. the fifth movie is really where that because obviously that themes throughout with like the sibling relationships and stuff but I think the right. fifth one's really where they started emphasizing oh, family and like you see the fifth one's where it became more popular too. And right. it sounds really simple to say, but having that sort of universal theme and sticking to it and actually like genuinely sticking to it has made the franchise really successful. Yeah. And I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I think that Lucas, I think you articulated it way better than I did. And it really does because, you know, they even have like, they have, you know, they have, they have like a cookout and they all just hang out and they all, they, <laughs> they bring, they do though. They have like a little cookout and they, they bring, what, what are you laughing at? That's what it's called. It's called a cookout. I don't know. I just found that funny. <laughs> all right. Now you're throwing me off anyway, but it is also nice to see that, that they've brought all the different parts of the universe of their like individual movies together. And this does honestly, this feels like an Avenger level team up, especially when you've watched all the movies. I know that sounds stupid, but it does because you brought these, these parts that made kind of every individual movie great. And you've put them into one film. And I actually think the fifth one does it the best. Although the sixth one also does it really well. Um, yeah. And also this came out a year before the Avengers. So really what you're saying is that the MCU stole the Fast and Furious's idea. I was gonna say I'm not saying that the Fast and Furious franchise did it first, but sorry, Kevin Feige. Clearly, you saw Fast Five and were like, "Shit, we gotta assemble pretty quickly, guys." Uh, Fast yeah, and I Furious think, is beating us to. That's literally I'm, what happened. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened. Like, if we had a bug in that office when they were talking about it, I'm pretty sure this movie would have been brought up. Just Kevin Feige going to see it about 16 times and then being like, <laughs> "Yeah." I know what we're doing. <laughs> Is there any way we can get The Rock on board? No? Damn. All right. They got Vin Diesel. They did get Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel, yeah, but he's he's Groot, so he just says one line and you don't really see Vin Diesel. And also DC has uh, The Rock now, so, you know. Yeah, and they got um, Gal Gadot as well. They did. I know. I was talking, oh, I think I was talking to mom the other day and I was like, you know, if Holland comes back, maybe Giselle can come back. And then I was like, you know what? Actually, she has her own franchise now. She's spearheading that. I think she's good. But she, I think she'd come back to this. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, she, she seems like she, uh, she likes, she likes acting. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. And I feel like these <laughs> movies were pretty fun. I know there's like, uh, I, I think The Rock and Vin Diesel don't get get along very well, which is why The Rock isn't in the next uh, Fast and Furious movie. 
Um, it, it's like it's like an actual family. You know, they have cookouts. They have uh, arguments. I feel like you're just making fun of me with the cookouts. Now I'm not making that up. They do have cookouts in these movies. I know so they I do. I think what it was is because we were talking about like the theme of family and the universe, the, the universality of family. And then the first thing you mentioned is cookouts. I just found that funny. Like that's that's one of the prime um, features of like a family cookout. Well, it is Luke is God. A um, couple of also a couple the... of coronas and a cookout. <laughs> All right, yeah, you can't go wrong with a couple of coronas and a cookout. I don't know why you make fun of me. Uh, that's exactly what it is. That's what people think of sometimes. Whatever. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, and also before we kind of uh, go more into Fast Five and the heist in this movie, which which I think is one of the reasons what makes this movie so special. Um, I do love that the Fast and Furious movies aren't, like, diverse for the sake of being diverse. Like, they have characters, and that's another thing that kind of makes it accessible everywhere in Universal is, you know, it's not, you know, they... I I feel like I'm not articulating it well, but they're not being diverse for the sake of, like, oh, we need to be diverse. Yeah, it's, it's very, like, I don't know, it's like, it feels like an organic world, and it feels like the world that most of us see, I guess, specifically like in the United States, like it's not, it's not like one race or one or two races. There's a lot of different people from different backgrounds. So it's nice to see that reflected in a franchise. And that's something that they've always had in their franchise. And I think emphasizing, I think another thing that makes it the family theme very universal is that it emphasizes that all of these people that are from different backgrounds, um, are this family unit to each other and i think the found family like theme or storyline is very relatable to a lot of people because a lot of people want to believe that they can go out and find another family right yeah lucas you definitely articulated that better than i did man i'm just gonna sometimes i'm just gonna say i think this and i'm just gonna have you emphasize on it <laughs> you just you just say it so much better than i do um i'm just, I'm just we... used to uh, arguing with people that's true also we've We've known each other. Oh, well, you've known me your whole life, and I've known you most uh, all your life as well. But you know what I mean? Like, you you get what I'm saying. Uh, maybe. I mean, what what I really get from this is that you really want to cook out. All right. A. I would love a cookout right now because that would just be nice. B. With your little, with your little grill. With <laughs> <laughs> so my tiny grill that Grandma and Grandpa bought me last year. Uh. I still haven't used it. It's still outside. So every time it rains, sometimes I'll go look out the window. It's just kind of in the corner, and I feel really bad that I left it out in the rain. Um, I think you I'm should probably person. use it. I probably should. I mean, I've totally used it, Grandma and Grandpa, if you're listening. All right, anyway, getting back to it. Stop making fun of me for the cookout thing. That's a thing that happens in these movies. I'm not like, I did, like it's not the main thing, but it happens, and that was part of the family thing, yeah, bro. I know. I know what you're saying. It's just funny that, like, whatever. All right, you're just making fun of me, and I don't appreciate it. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about Rio, which uh, I think Rio is the perfect location for this movie, obviously, because but the way that they have they have a bunch of different action action scenes. Uh, they have an action scene on a train, um, which is exciting. Um, they have a run through the favelas. Um, I th- I almost think Rio is like the perfect action setting, and it kind of feels like um. It it's a way to make it international because before this, besides obviously Tokyo Drift, which which was loose, which is loosely connected to this one through Han, but the other ones that had Paul Walker, um, Vin Diesel, and the rest of them had taken place in Los Angeles mostly, except for I think Two Vast Two Furious takes place in Miami, but they had been stateside. So it, 
do you think going, I mean, and obviously from here they go international with everything else. Do you think that was a smart move on their part? I mean, I do. I think, I think that was a really great move. It's definitely what part of what sets um, these later films aside from the earlier ones. And it gives it, it allows there to be more, I don't know, in, in the grounded ones where it's more stateside, that's more believable that this group of people, this large group of people would all be there. But if they want to make it more, if they wanted to make it more of this like action heist adventure type thing, you have that classic like globe trotting feel. And it definitely achieves that with this one. Um, and then obviously with the other ones, it keeps ramping it up. Yeah. And I mean, uh, and I do, I do want to get to the heist part of this because I love heist movies. Lucas, how are you, do you like heist movies? I actually don't know. I don't think like, have you seen the oceans films and yeah, I've like seen that. that like, I like, yeah, I like heist movies. Um, depends on the movie. Like, I don't, I don't categorically like or dislike any type of movie. Um, there are certainly heist movies that I like more than others. Um, obviously, Steven Soderbergh, as you just mentioned, Ocean's Eleven, just loves making heist movies. So I've seen a few of his. He does, yeah, and also Logan Lucky, which I actually might be yeah, watching that's what later because I. Was um, actually, Steven Soderbergh actually does it really well because he's really stylized. Um, and obviously, Ocean's Eleven was from the 60s originally, which had the Rat Pack. Uh, but I think Steven Spielberg really, uh, Steven Spielberg, Jesus, uh, Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> Steven Spielberg. Uh, uh, yeah, not Steven. So I don't know. Oh, I guess he, I guess Spielberg kind of did a heist movie with Catch Me If You Can. I mean, very loosely. That's not really a heist. That's just more of a theme. It's like low key. It could be like a heist. Well, yeah, it is more of a theme. A heist right. is like you, you, you're planning a robbery, and the movie's about the robbery, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, the catch movie can just very, like, white collar crime. Yeah. Just like, it's um, not a really but good Steve... movie, but it's not a heist movie. No, it's not. You were correct. All right. All right. You were what? correct. You were whatever, correct Lucas. Things. Yeah, whatever. Leave me and my cookouts alone. Uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, Steven Soderbergh's really. Um, he has that the style of like the he I think that's what sets kind of the Oceans films he's done along with Logan Lucky kind of on that separate level of other heist movies, um because he has that the way that they stylize it he's really stylized the heist and I also like that this one does a little bit what the Oceans film does because um at one point with the with the uh, vault chase at the end they do the oceans thing where they go back and show you what really happened while you thought one thing was happening. Um, they go back and show you what actually happened where they switched the vault out. Um, and this, I mean, and this movie hits all the beats of a classic heist movie. You know, you have assembling the team, you show what, what they want to do, what actually ends up happening, but it's all, but, and then of course it it was all according to plan, which I, I, that's what I think makes heist movies really great. Yeah, you can definitely see the influence of films like Ocean's Eleven on this one in particular, and especially in like the like visual style, like you were saying of it, with like the quick cutting and like the smooth camera movements, like moving between things. And it's also like rather than focusing on what the, the franchise used to focus on, it's showing you like, oh, they've actually got this perfect plan and they've outsmarted you, which right. um, is fun to see. And also, you don't. I think this might be the only movie in the franchise that does that because six and seven and eight aren't about that. So I think that's what this one feels like a breath of fresh air because it's not about all of the emotional turmoil, but it's like, oh yeah, we still care about all these characters. Right. Yeah. And this one, yeah, this is really the only one 
this one is the one that's like just super fun from beginning to end because it doesn't because they don't know Letty's alive yet. And you know, like even though uh, Dom, Mia, and Brian um, are on the run, they're still together. So like even that that brief part of it, like you know what I mean, like the brief like emotional turmoil, they kind of get that out of the way fairly soon because at, because uh, the reason they end up staying in Rio because Dom wants to leave after uh, Hobbs, uh, the Rock catches up to him. Um, but Mia reveals, obviously, she's pregnant, and she's like, I don't want to run anymore, so that's why they decide to stay and take the information they have on this crime boss and to steal the money. So I think, like, their, the emotional turmoil is a little bit here, but they, but Justin Lin and Chris Morgan, who wrote the script, uh, and Justin Lin directed, they were smart enough to say, let's have it really brief and then just have this, like, really fun movie. Um, and I should say, Justin Lin, I feel like, is really responsible for the revitalization uh, of this franchise, um, along with Vin Diesel and Paul Walker, because I know they fought for it as well. Uh, but Justin Lin directed um, Tokyo Drift 4, 5, and 6, um, and is coming back to direct 9. Um, so that's very exciting. But Justin Lin really stuck with this franchise from Tokyo Drift, which is why Tokyo Drift looks really smooth. Lucas, have you have you seen Tokyo Drift? I saw it once, and I think it was after I saw Fast 5. So it must have been like 2011 or 2012. So I don't remember most of it, um, but I remember liking it more than the second one. And that's all I really remember about it. I was going to say, I think I've seen the second one once. The second one's definitely my least favorite, but the Tokyo Drift looks really great. And it is because uh, because of Justin Lin. And he's able, the way that he frames the action scenes, I think, is really well done. Um, Lucas, actually, what uh, besides, is the vault chase your favorite action scene in this? Because I have... I have two that I really love in this movie. I know it's been a while since you've seen it, but... Um, I like all of the action scenes in this movie. I, I, we'll, go, we'll go through it uh, chronologically, if I can remember. I like the one at the beginning where um, they're trying to get the car off the train. That one's really exciting, and I think that one builds up tension well, because you have the two antagonists, which are the DEA and the crew members that uh, Dom knows are gonna, is going to betray them. So you have the tension there, but I really like the um, the chase and like the fight on the truck as well. Um, yes. So I like that scene. What do you think of that one? Then we'll go to the then we'll zoom to the next one. So I think actually that one is right up there with the end vault scene for me because especially because uh, Vin Diesel because Paul Walker's on the truck, so Vin Diesel has to drive a car off of the train, get to the truck because the, there's a bridge coming. So Paul Walker jumps out of the car. And then they go off a cliff, and it's really cool because it's just, like, there's no music or anything. It's just the car goes off this cliff because there's water down below. And so Vin Diesel and Paul Walker are in this car, and then they have to jump into the water. It's cool. You should watch it. it. Like, this action scene, is it's a great way to open. I actually think this movie's really bookended by two fantastic action scenes. Yeah, I think the only thing that takes away from that is that I don't think they would survive the fall, but also I don't care, so it's fine. <laughs> No, it just, it looks really cool, and you're just like, yeah, because it literally, like, I, I watched it earlier this week, and I was literally, to be fair, I was I was maybe two Coronas in, uh, but literally, like, when they go over the cliff, and they both kind of, like, come out of the car, I just went like, oh, like that, like, it's just, it's something that's thrilling, and you know it's not realistic. This this franchise does not have any realism whatsoever, especially with uh, number eight, and uh, Hobbs and Shaw, and actually seven a little bit, too. Uh, but there's like, well, actually most of them, there's no realism to any action movies really, but it's just, it is, it's thrilling. It's just very yeah, and thrilling. I think another thing that adds into the 
excitement of the action scenes in this film and the ones following is that they've sort of returned to like practical effects. So even when yes. the car is flying off the gorge and you know like they wouldn't survive that fall, you can see like it's a real car and those are real people and stuff. Um, yes. And that it just adds to the excitement of it rather than because I th- I can't remember which one it was because obviously I haven't seen the first four as much as I've seen the other ones. But I think at one point they were using like CGI cars and stuff, weren't they? I think so, because especially the early because uh, I think the first one was actually was in 2000. If not, it was 2001. And then because that remember that was like a time where like because CG was so new and everybody was using it. So, like, I think they were like, oh, let's use it. And that's, I think that's kind of where a lot of the shit for this franchise came from. Because, like, you're like, oh, they're using fake cars. And then this really was a return to, no, let's do practical effects. Because practical effects have come back a lot within the past decade, which I really love and I appreciate. Because it just, it is, and that's, like, that's what makes, like, the John Wick movie so thrilling is because it is mostly, like, practical. And a lot of – I love a movie that has a lot of stunts, and the stunt team for uh, the Fast and Furious franchise is really fantastic. And it's – I think it's put up full, full display here because you have you have a lot of uh, hand-to-hand fight scenes. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just – I yeah. really love it. Yeah, it's a good – I don't know if you – Yeah, I definitely agree. And I'm glad that more films are returning to it. I don't like, like, blanket statement dismissing cgi but i think there definitely was like no. a over overuse of it when people were still discovering what it can do i think most people's mindset now is use cgi where it helps but have a practical element there to make it feel more like tactile which i definitely think has improved the quality of a lot of mainstream movies well especially i think um actually the star wars franchise is a great way to look at that because obviously george lucas helped spearhead that technology and finally had it for the prequels so you look at the prequels and they're all a majority of it is cg and then you kind of look at like especially what they did with the sequel trilogy starting with force awakens where jj abrams did use he used he used cg obviously because you have to but he used a lot more practical effects like they did with the original trilogy so you can really see the blending of everything like with that sequel with the sequel trilogy if that makes yeah. sense. Like, and I think, you know, there's, speaking of The Rock, uh, Scorpion King and Mummy, and Mummy Returns, there's, yeah. um, there's this really like painful period in the early 2000s where they were just using CG because they could. Um, yes. And I'm glad we're through that period. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Actually, Mummy Returns is a perfect example because it's very painfully obvious. And it, actually, the first Mummy has, I think, a lot more practical effects than. Yeah, um, and they CG because it was like ninety nine, and then and then two thousand one, you see Mummy Returns, and you're just like, oh. Yeah, and in the first Mummy, and in parts of the Mummy Returns, they they used it really like sparingly and trying to make it realistic, but you just can't make a Scorpion King look realistic, can you? <laughs> no, and it does. It is one of those things like you do watch it now, and it is it is a little cringy, but you know, like luckily that I don't know that movie to me is is fun enough that you kind of, it's one of those things you can overlook. It's definitely when it's like a, a bad movie that has that cringy CG. You're just like, Ooh, nothing was, nothing was really firing for this film. Yeah. I really enjoy the mummy returns. It's just every time I see that, I'm like, ha ha. I remember you as a kid, but uh, now it doesn't. <laughs> Lucas, it's so funny. Cause I was, th- I was literally thinking that the other day cause the mummy was on. So I was like, oh, I'll put it on the background. And I was like, I remember being so scared to go see this movie in theaters. And like, now it's like laugh. Like, why would you even be scared of that? Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like the I things that is- used to scare us, I guess. 
I'm not going to go on a tangent. We can talk about the mummy another time. Um, next, next action scene. Um, um which that, I think is the chase through the flavellas, right? Yeah. So it's I think it's Hobbs's team and Hobbs on the rooftops, which I really like. And I like uh, the, both these scenes. I just realized ends with like Brian jumping off of something ridiculous. Yes. Well, because I think so. Um, I I have a friend who uh, had a friend of the team uh, that I, I have a friend of a friend. Uh, who was uh, Paul Walker's stunt double um, and worked at, and with stunts. And he said that, uh, my friend said that he, that Paul Walker used to love doing stunts like that and would love to see how the teams would do that. So I think that, I think that like Paul Walker would, I think, I think Paul Walker just really liked doing that. He was like, all right, how much can I do? And then how much can my stunt team look cool doing this as well? Like, you know what I mean? So I think yeah. he was like, just give me all the fight seats. Cause uh, Brian has a lot of them. And obviously he was a federal agent and can take care of himself. And his Brian is, and Paul Walker is like an average sized dude. Like you look at the rock and Vin Diesel and obviously their action scenes are going to be very different than, than Brian's. Um, but Brian's scenes are always like he's just an average sized dude, but he can handle himself and they're exciting. Yeah. So I really like the chase scene um, just because it's an exciting location. Obviously, there have been a couple of. Um, uh, well, but I think really, in the favelas in other really, movies. Yes. And really quickly, I think it's not just Hobbs's team that's chasing them. I think it's also the crime boss's team chasing them. So I think the crime boss's team starts the chase and then Hobbs's team is rolling up so then now Brian Dom and Mia have two sets of two groups yeah. chasing after them yeah and that really ramps up the tension because obviously you have um at the end of the movie when part of Hobbs's team is killed that's why he sort of feels more sympathetic for Dom but you have two antagonists mostly throughout the thing so that means when one of them is recovering from something the other one can come and it's a really good mechanism for keeping the movie flowing but what I was going to say is, um, I like during this chase scene as well, I think Dom and, um, oh, I can't remember her name. I can't remember her name. Oh, um, it's Elsa Pat Patke. I can't say her last name. Oh, hold on. I'm going to look up her name. What is her name? That's the, I know, the, I know her actor name. I just can't remember her character's name. But basically, they, they meet for the first time um, during this sequence. And I like that because it's, you know, putting this um, danger the chase scene in the middle of this introduction, which eventually becomes a romance. And I like right. when movies mix two things like that. And you have like, I think she almost catches them. And then Dom, instead of like killing her, is just like, just walk away. Well, cause, uh, well, her, it's Elena. I just looked it up. Cause Elena. I couldn't remember. I'm Sorry. really mad at myself. Cause she's been in all the movies that I just watched. Um, Sorry, Elena. And, and so I think, well, what happens is, is she does catch up to him and she has a gun on Dom and that's when the crime boss team comes up and he and Dom saves her. He pushes her out of the way and like blocks her from the bullets and then Hobbs's team catches yeah. up. And I think she takes the necklace from him. So Dom's necklace is a big it's almost a little bit of a MacGuffin in this movie, not really, but it a little bit because it gets passed around. Actually it's kind of a MacGuffin of the franchise because that necklace kind of gets like passed and yeah, it it, it, mean, it means a lot of different things to yeah. everybody. I don't know if it's a MacGuffin, but it's definitely not really like a MacGuffin, a... that's a bad way to say it. It's definitely a significant item to um to Dom, isn't it? It is. I guess, I guess yeah, it's a bit so of a MacGuffin for him because he's after it, but right. And it, if it's taken from him, it's usually it's usually with someone who is important to him in that film. Yeah. I should say, like in whatever respective film, because in the next one, I think Letty he gives it to Letty, or Letty has it for a hot second once it's revealed that Letty's alive. 
I can't remember. I actually just watched this one the other day, too, so my memory is just terrible. My memory is terrible. But yeah, I like that scene. I wouldn't say that that one's one of my favorites, but I tend to like the scene with the cars more and, like, them interacting with the cars. Yes. Oh, Lucas, I should say, me and my family really love that they say, take the wheel and ride or die. I'm not saying that we say that to each other a lot, but we do. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And I think part of the (laughs) charm of this franchise is just having ridiculous lines like that and and basically like everything that the rock says is also ridiculous i think he's the main proponent of take the wheel because it's usually take the wheel and then he jumps out of a moving car onto something else right it is, i think it is usually the rock and then usually letty and dom are the ones that say ride or die i mean like you could you could do a you could do a if you had a fast and furious franchise marathon you could do a drinking game with ride or die take the wheel the Rock jumping out of the car to join another action scene. Family, Corona. Fam- family, Corona. Cookouts. You could have a drinking game with cookouts. I know you're making fun of me, but you There's totally only could. Like one or two cookouts a movie, though, so you'd only be drinking once or twice. Yes, but um, they're still there, and they could still part be part of it. It'd be like a bingo. You could still get a bingo. Yeah, you could. Um, <laughs> moving on. Um, even though I just said um, that I mainly like the car sequences, the other action scene that I really like in this movie is the... Um, like raid on their hideout by Hobbs's team later on and when Hobbs and Dom have their big fist fight because that one feels so visceral and it's these two like really strong guys fighting each other but then you have the moment where Dom like has the chance to kill him but he doesn't and I think it's a a really good character moment mixed with action isn't it actually yeah I completely agree with you because these are two I mean so Vin Diesel's already a pretty big guy like he's a huge guy and then you put the rock in there and the rock is a little bit bigger than him but like the rock his arms are so big he can't put his arms down like you know what i mean like they're just like these huge so to see these two guys fight and these two guys also have you have two people who have strong moral their own moral code and they're really they're you're right they're these two strong guys and it's very much an equal fight and it's it is exciting because like i think everybody just kind of stands back and watches the two of them fight and dom does get the upper hand and shows mercy and does not kill hobbs obviously if he killed hobbs um their situation goes from bad to worse because he's killed a federal agent but it's also because of who dom is as with his moral code yeah um and you just just the way you were talking about that reminded me of something um, before they got, had the idea to cast The Rock, they were originally going to cast Tommy Lee Jones, and I would have loved to see Tommy Lee Jones and Vin Diesel have a like fist fight. I, I feel that that would have dramatically changed this movie. I think I feel like Tommy Lee Jones kind of would have been more. I, th- I feel like maybe the character would have been more like uh, Kurt Russell when he comes into the franchise as Mister Nobody. Like I feel yeah, like it I maybe so. would have been a little more like that. Like I feel like they definite Hobbs was definitely shaped by who they cast and casting The Rock. They're able to do those those action scenes with Vin Diesel again. Like Vin Diesel, not a small man whatsoever. But when he's standing next to The Rock, you're just like, oh shit! Like it's it's yeah, pretty I funny. Mean, yeah, it's it's great. I just like the idea of like them not changing anything and just Tommy Lee Jones doing the like exact same thing as The Rock, like just sweating all the time as well. <laughs> could you imagine I feel I actually would have loved to have seen Tommy Lee Jones because I feel like it would have been like when he was in The Fugitive like I feel like it would have been that level of but he, I mean I don't know it would have been a completely Hobbs would be a completely different character I don't think he yeah. would have popped up as much as he does now no obviously. I think I think this is probably my favorite of The Rock's roles and it's definitely one of the ones where he's doing his most uh, 
he's doing his most rock stuff that people love seeing him do. Yes, the Rock has a bunch of one-liners. He has them in all the Fast and Furious movies, but he does. He just he gets like he gets like those. You know, he always says like "some bitch." Like instead of saying "son of a bitch," he just goes like "some bitch." Like he just says like how the Rock says it, and you're just like, I'm just yeah. like wow. And also like, going, yes. like, going back to your point that you made earlier, I think this is probably my favorite film with him in it. Like I think in seven particularly, um, in six he has a reason for being there. But in seven, I feel like it's just him as part of the team and he's sort of tacked onto it. Whereas in this one, I like that he really has his own motivation and that he's working as a force against Dom's team. But he's also like not just taking everything at face value. I think his character was really good in this one. And I like what they've done with him since. But this is probably my favorite use of him. I agree with you. Um, I really like him in five and six. I mean, seven, seven's a weird one anyway, because uh, obviously Paul Walker died during production. So they had to work their way around that with the footage they had of him and then work uh, with his brother and also his stunt double to get like Brian's remaining scenes. And the, like you said, the rock's not really in seven. Um, he's in it, I think maybe for 15 minutes. He's not, he's, it's very much uh Brian and Dom's movie. Um, which it needs to be, especially because it was Paul Walker's final one. Um, I didn't really like Hobbs as much in eight, and I didn't Hobbs didn't feel like Hobbs and Hobbs and Shaw to me, in my opinion. It felt very much like, oh, I'm the rock. Like it didn't feel like Hobbs was really defined in this in Fast Five for me, and the Hobbs we saw last year, I don't know, in my opinion, just didn't feel the same. Like it felt know. different. I don't know. I, I, that... I honestly honestly I can't remember Fast and Furious eight. I do remember Hobbs and Shaw. Um, yeah, it's interesting to think about. I think what they I, did was they just let his relationship with Shaw define the entire thing, like just that back and forth, which I did like, and I like those that relationship in the other movies. But I think having a whole movie of it was just like it didn't seem like there was that much more going on underneath. Yeah, and there I should say there were parts of Hobbs and Shaw I really liked. I actually liked uh, Vanessa Kirby and Idris Elba. I think a little more than Hobbs and Shaw in that movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I thought they were really interesting characters to introduce. Um, I, it just, I don't know. Yeah. I, Hobbs and Shaw was weird. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad movie. It was very enjoyable. Um, it's about 30 minutes too long, in my opinion. I thought it was really long. Like, usually the Fast and Furious movies are about, I think, like two hours. They're not very long, but like Hobbs and Shaw was two and a half hours. And I was like, oh, we could have brought it back. You know what I mean? Like, it just, like, and it didn't feel the same. Like, this movie, I think, is about two hours, and it, it breezes by, but you also kind of want it to last a little bit longer because it is so much fun. Um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but getting to the, the – and then the last really big action sequence is obviously um, – well, I think we should – I don't think we mentioned it. So the crime boss obviously owns all of Rio, so they go to one of his money houses – burn the money and he moves the money into one location um and lucas where is that location where did they have to steal the vault from um it's in the police headquarters because apparently every cop in rio is corrupt and bought by this man except for elena except for elena yeah they don't they don't really make a rio's police force look good in this but yeah it's all in the police headquarters which leads to a really fun action scene where they have to get in there Yes, and obviously because it's a heist movie, they show how they get in there, and they at one point they were like, oh, the, and this is how kind of the cars come into it, because they were like, at, at one point they needed to beat the cameras, but there was no way to beat the cameras with their regular fast cars, so at one point 
which is, I think this is like a low-key action scene. They end up stealing police cars so they can be invisible uh, to the cameras that are inside the police headquarters, um, which leads to like a fun, uh, like, drag race between, I think it's Han, Roman, Dom, and Brian. Um, yeah. Which, which it's is funny as fun. well, but the movie's, the movie's franchise started out as like, being about racing and that's like really the only race in the entire movie i guess the car chase at the end but not really yeah I've, i mean i will say for the first one they were stealing things but they went from stealing like i think it was i think the first one is actually they steal dvd players i think that's and then yeah. they resell the dvd player which is so which is so very 1999 2000 isn't it like that they're yeah. stealing dvd players um and then they they've moved from stealing those because in the fourth one they moved to stealing gas at the beginning um and then and then in this one, they're, they're, it's a full-on heist. They're stealing, like, $100 million. They're just stealing um, money at this point. Yeah. And then after this, it, they turn into, like, it's very funny because, Lucas, like you were saying, this is the last one that's a little bit grounded in realism, because as much as a heist movie can be. Because after this, this movie, like, going forward, Hobbs goes to Dom and his team as, like, an elite, for like, drive, you know, car-driving force that can get, like, international thing. It is very funny how this, yeah. like, franchise just, like, escalated after this film. It's, yeah. I, it's always funny to me. In the movies, they, when you're watching it, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that makes complete sense in this world. And then when you try to talk about it, you're like, yeah, these this group of thieves are basically, like, this, like, strike force, Street I guess. Racers. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, now they're a strike force. But not yeah. really. Like it's it's just like especially when I was watching six and seven the other day, I was like, that just escalated really quickly and kind of makes no sense. But you know, like you said, like when you're watching it, you're like, oh yeah, this totally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that you talk about it and you're just like, oh, that really doesn't make any sense. Uh, but I guess it also makes sense that they've sort of moved up in the world because each because after this, each of them becomes like a millionaire. So yes, who knows. Um, but yeah, so we got we've we've got to the final big action sequence, which is where uh, the the Rock's team has been killed, um, and Ro uh, um, Dom and his crew have saved the Rock and Elena. So they've decided to team up with Dom and his crew. Uh, Dom, they, the Rock and Elena blow their way into the police station, and um, Dom and Brian come back in with two cars that are rigged to pull this safe through the streets of Rio. And I very much like me and Lucas can try to describe it to you. Literally this chase scene is bananas. I remember seeing it in theaters for the first time. And literally I was already like, I'm going to go see this movie again. But then this final like big action sequence happens and you just have this big dumbass grin on your face. Cause it's just like this, this vault is just like destroying Rio as they're, as is attached to these two cars. And they're using it cause all the rest of the cop cars are coming after them. They're using it in this car chasing, which it's just, it's fantastic. It's absolutely bananas. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun and it's very like, it's a extended sequence, which I like, like, I don't like when accent, I don't like action sequences to go on too long, but I like when they're, substantial um what actually you just saying it destroys rio made me think um around this time in uh the blockbuster landscape there's a lot of talk about um like mass destruction and um not talking about casualties i don't think anyone brings up fast five but i know for sure that the vault goes through like a public building at one point so they definitely just murdered a bunch of people it does and actually this was before so i think avengers and man of steel were the two that did that and that those were in 2012 and 2013 respectively i believe yeah. this was in 2010 so this was before like literally this like i think it goes through a bank at some point but they show like people scattering so i think the 
the like the suggestion is yes they've destroyed this building but there were no casualties besides bad guys i think is what fast five like yeah. trying to it's indicate just, it's just funny to think about i think also because it's just two cars in a vault people don't think about it as like mass destruction but it is funny when you see the scenes and it's like smashing through buildings and stuff it is and i mean they and that this is one of the genius uh, this is part of the genius of this film they dom and brian use the vault as a way to escape and they use, they don't just like pull it they use it to like like at one point dom's driving it and brian has to back up into the vault to push it like they use the vault in multiple ways which is it, it really is genius i mean i know people are gonna make fun of me for saying that but this this action scene is very clever and it's very fun and like you said it's like a 10 minute action scene and it doesn't go on too long. It goes on just the right amount of time. And they use the vault in multiple ways during that scene. It's it's a great, I, I don't know, because I literally have a stupid, like, smile on my face talking about it. It's just so good. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Uh, like, as I said at the very beginning, it's obviously not realistic the way that they use the vault because they wouldn't be able to move it very well. But um, it seems like every fun idea that you could think of for this action sequence they put in, which I really appreciate because it's not, they're they're really like pulling out all the stops for this final final sequence yes and this is where this action scene is actually where they switch the vault so uh earlier in the film in order to practice getting into the vault once they finally had it they ordered the an exact copy of the vault uh and lucas do you remember how they switched the vault or do you because i just watched it do you want me to tell everybody do you remember um yeah i told you i remember most of this movie so they go under a bridge and um, the rest of the crew is, the rest of the crew actually doesn't really do anything. Like they don't really earn their keep, but whatever. Well, um, they do kind of because Han and Roman end up having to come up in the cop cars they stole to get some yeah. of the cop cars off of them. To be fair, I, I said that and then I was like, nah, it's fine. Cause like Giselle did stuff earlier. They all do stuff. It's fine. Anyways, they drive in, they drive the vault into like a garbage truck and then get another vault off the front of it. So the police cars are like chasing the uh, Dom and Brian with the vault, but the real vault's inside a garbage truck the entire time. How exactly, exciting. it is, and the, and obviously you don't see that until later, which is when they do the classic like Ocean's Eleven, like because um, because even though the Rock and Elena had teamed up with them, they end up killing the crime boss, um, and they and you know. They're on the bridge. It's Dom and Brian and then Elena and The Rock, or Hobbs. And, uh, you know, Hobbs is like, you know, I know we teamed up. I'm going to give you a 24-hour head start. You know I can't let you take this safe. And Dom's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then so uh, Hobbs opens the vault that's on the bridge, and there's no money in it because they, and then we see when they switched it earlier, and then he goes back to the Dom's crew opening it and all the money obviously being in the vault. So they got their $100 million. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a happy ending for all, really. It is. And then there's a post credit scene and Letty's alive and it's even more like you're like, this movie was so fun. And then you're like, oh, shit, Letty's alive. Yeah. It's so I good. Also, I also like that um, The Rock's just fine with them stealing it. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I can't let you go. And then when he's like, oh, you tricked when you me. you realize I'm, it. I'm not I'm fine. I won't. I won't. I don't care that. Well, he, I, I, I can say this because I did just watch this the other day. When he opens the vault and sees it's empty, he just goes, ah, ha, 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 and, like, yeah. looks off at the car, like, driving away. And you're just like, dude, you just said you can't let them get away with it. And you're like, yeah. oh, they got me. I guess the implication is that he's going to go after them in 24 hours because he's a man of his word. But 
I just find I find it funny. It's just a fun I'm, movie. I think it's hilarious. Um, yes, that is Fast Five. And Lucas, I before we wrap this up, because this franchise is so bonkers. Um, how do you think? So there's, like you said, there's kind of two antagonists in this movie, but the crime boss is really the big villain of this film. Um, and this is speaking more to kind of four or five, six, and seven and eight. How how do you rank this the, the crime boss in this? I can't actually remember his name. I'm not thinking about it. The only name that I know him as is um, he's a uh, Bucho and Desperado. Um, so whenever I think about <laughs> him, I think of him as Bucho, and I'm like, that's literally not who he is in this movie. Well, but you know what? I can't remember his name right now. But uh, so as as far as villains go, uh, especially like with the two Shaw brothers coming up in the franchise, how do you rank this film's kind of antagonist villain, like with the other ones? Well, he's I think he's probably like the most straightforward, realistic. Yeah, I wasn't saying real. I guess he's more like realistic as well. But the other ones, I think, are more interesting to me because they're more they they are purposefully like reflections of Dom and his team and that and they're they definitely ramp up the like super action franchise bit. I like that in this one it is a crime boss and he has like one good scene where he's talking about how like um the Spanish could never conquer Brazil and stuff and that's interesting, but I don't think he does anything particularly interesting, whereas I really like the Shaw brothers and I don't really remember Charlize Theron's character that much. Uh, yeah, to be honest, I haven't seen uh, the eighth one. I think I've only seen it twice, which I know everybody's like, you saw it two times, that's a lot. And I'm like, no, like, these other movies I've seen, like, at least many, ten times. You know what I mean? Like, I've watched times. these movies a lot. Yes, I've seen these movies many times. From what I remember, Charlize Theron's character was interesting. Yeah, I remember finding her interesting. And uh, Charlize Theron always, like, plays her characters very well. I just really like, I think I really liked um, Deckard Shaw in the seventh one um i liked his scene in eight and then in hobbs and shaw he was fine but i remember it when i saw seven and i saw it a couple of times and it came out i think that was i think 2015 was probably like the height of my fandom for fast and furious i remember like really thinking oh he's a threat but it's cool that he's also like a secondary antagonist to this other thing because they have the like god's eye um subplot as well but i liked that deckard shaw felt like a real threat whereas um, what's the other one's name? Oh, and he felt like a threat, but he also felt a little less dangerous. So I think for me, I like I liked um, Jason Statham the most as an antagonist. Oh, see, I actually because I just watched I watched uh, six and seven uh, after I watched five uh, earlier this. I did a low key fast and fast and furious marathon, which Lucas, I told you before we started. I watched it in the worst way possible. I went, I watched five, seven, six, and then four. That. Don't watch it like that. It makes absolutely no sense. And it literally was just very random. But I actually really, I think Owen Shaw, I thought was a better villain than Deckard Shaw. Um, But it's def. I thought because, because he almost felt a little bit like, um, and I know not as extreme, but he felt a little bit like Kilgrave and Jessica Jones, where like Owen Shaw could move, like no matter what you did to try and stop him, he could move through life and still get his way. Like, so you know what I mean? Like, I li- I kind of liked that, like, Deckard Shaw, not that he's he's a little more showy than his younger brother, so, but, like, Owen Shaw, I liked that, but he was dangerous, because he would kill members of his team if, whenever he felt like they had disappointed him and stuff, so that's, I, it's funny that you said, like, you know, like, oh, I like Deckard, like, because I definitely, I thought Owen Shaw was the better villain, if oh, that makes uh, sense. Does it, that make sense, like, the Kilgrave comparison? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's more he's more of like a manipulator. Whereas I think for me, what I like more about Deckard is there's something more like base about him, and like it is just like he is a threat. He's not trying to trick you or anything. Um, right. Not that I don't like manipulator type villains. I just think it works for Fast and Furious. And I think probably what's influencing me as well is I really like his action scenes and the way that James Wan shot his action scenes in seven, whereas in six, yeah, I still like the action scenes, but it's not showing off Owen Shaw by himself as much. No, Deckard Shaw is definitely, I mean, like you said, he's more equivalent to Dom and Hobbs because he, he, the physicality of it, like, you know what I mean? Like when you, I actually, I don't think Owen Shaw gets into a fight until the end. And even then he's trying to get out of the fight as soon as he realized he has to go up against Dom and Brian. Um, yeah. On so the it's, plane. It's, it's like two different antagonists. It would be interesting seeing them both as antagonists working together, but I don't think we're going to see that because the Shaws have become sort of like a second family in Fast and Furious against the main antagonist. Right. Um, which I do have some problems with still because uh, Deckard Shaw killed Han and no one seems to give a shit, but you know. Yeah, it's, it's just like, me. He literally killed one of your friends. But oh well. But also Han's and alive, then, so I guess it didn't matter. I guess it doesn't matter anymore. No, nothing matters anymore. Lucas, if I've learned anything this past year, nothing matters anymore. No, you know all the things you love about franchises? They don't they don't matter anymore, so that's the coronavirus world we live in. That is. It was heralded in by by uh the last year's like franchise endings that all just seemed to be like, Well, you thought you thought it was gonna end great? Nope. <laughs> no, it is not. Um because really, like, especially, like, because these movies have changed so much, the villains are much more pronounced uh, in these later films than they are. Like, you know, they're just not one-off villains. I yeah, think, I actually, couldn't... Fast Five is the last one to have a one-off villain. Although, the fourth one is Braga, and Braga comes back a little bit in six. Uh, but other, but yeah. he's still basically a one-off villain. Yeah, I can't even picture the um, antagonists of one, two, and three. Although, I really like in the first one that, Brian and Dom are like the main it's mainly their antagonism towards each other but also their friendship I like I'm a sucker for that sort of storyline well I mean Brian and Dom's relationship is very interesting throughout this whole period and I think a lot of it's a testament to the friendship with uh Vin Diesel and Paul Walker um which you can I mean you definitely see it for uh uh five six and seven definitely because Dom and Brian are just on the same side you can definitely see it there um and then Lucas, uh, how do you how do you rank the Fast and Furious movies? Like, how does, I'm is Fast Five number one for you? Yeah, I think so. I think as I've said, it's like the it's like a really it's the good mix, and it's it's in the middle of the franchise. And there's definitely two halves of the franchise, and I like yes. the elements that it brings from both. I don't think I have like a ranking as in like this is my number one, this is my number two. I think I like Fast Five the most, and then I probably like six and seven under that. And then probably everything else under that. So there's like three three categories. So I, I really like so five, six, and seven in a row. And then eight in Hobbs and Shaw. I'm like, yeah, they're fun to watch. And then uh, one, two, and three. I'm like, they're fun to watch too. But it's a different. When I think of Fast and Furious, I don't think of those three. So I was about to say. So uh, I was actually also going to ask you to choose a trilogy uh, out of all these movies. And so so you would say five, six, and seven. That is your that's your trilogy that you would like if yeah. you had to get rid of all the other Fast and Furious movies. 
Yeah, I mean, like I don't know why someone would be asking me to get rid of them, but if I had... no, I know, but I'm just asking because yeah. it is kind of funny that you you can kind of you can distinctly break these down into trilogies. Um, I actually think four, five, and six works really well as a trilogy, and that's just because I watched it because it it starts with Letty's death and ends with her coming back. So like that yeah. to me made a really great trilogy. Uh, seven seven's always kind of just a, like I think I just said it a few minutes ago, but it's a very odd movie because it's. It's Paul Walker's last one. It's a send off to Brian, and the the franchise changes after that, obviously, because instead of killing off Brian, they send him off into the sunset with his family. Um, yeah. And so it, the 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 franchise changes a lot, and you could see that with eight, which is a part of why I think maybe eight doesn't work as well. Um, yeah, I think in my mind, like I I liked parts of eight, but I don't really remember it, and I probably should like properly rewatch it again before passing a huge judgment on it. But I think I really liked how Seven ended for me when I watched it a bunch of times in 2015 as well. I'm sort of like, I don't want anything to spoil that. So I'm like, I'm I'm done. I'm cool. I'm good. It, it's a little bit like, uh, kind of like Last Crusade. You know, like, it's a great ending. They rode off into the sunset. Yeah. That should be, that's that's where the story ends. And, you know, unfortunately now we live in a, excuse me, a world where if something made a bunch of money and people still really love it, they're going to make another one regardless of like how, how satisfying an ending it had. Yeah. And I think that you can still get satisfying endings from making more of them and we'll see yes. what they do. But like, I think my peak of liking fast and furious came out when seven came out and that was a good ending for me. So I'm like, it's cool. I'll still go see the other ones and I'll probably have fun, but it's not like, I think I've had my most enjoyment from it already. Right. I mean, you know what, no matter what now, you're still going to get probably at least one really great action sequence, because I think actually all the films have some pretty, especially the car chases. I mean, like you said earlier, that's why you come to these movies is to see the car chases and they tend to deliver. Um, yeah, definitely. I don't think I don't think there's any actually any of them have any car chase that I'm like disappointed in. Like, you know what I mean? It's been a while since I've seen Too Fast, Too Furious, uh, but um I, even then, I think they still had, like, two or three really great action scenes in it. Um, kind of speaking of Too Fast and Too Furious, Lucas, really quickly, uh, how much do you love the titles of this franchise before we wrap up? Because they make yeah, absolutely no sense. They they do flip-flop around. I think it goes, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it goes The Fast and the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious, Fast Five, F Furious Six? Furious 7, The Fate of the Furious, and then Hobbs and Shaw? I don't know. But yep, it's just you, are, you are completely correct. It is like It just kind of makes no sense, like, especially after we get... I do love how when they got, like, uh, they got uh, uh, Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, and uh, Jordana Brewster back, they were like, let's just take out the thes so people know it's the original people that are in it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I mean, I think when they were making the first three and probably up until the fourth one, they probably didn't think of it as like a franchise. They were just like, these are just movies. They take place with the same characters. So it's fine to name them fun things, which I sort of like. But now that it is a series, it doesn't make sense, but it's fine. Well, and I was going to say the ninth one is going to be called F9, The Fast Saga. That's what the ninth one is called. I mean, these titles make absolutely no sense. I just, I just wanted you to say all of them so everybody could hear kind of how ridiculous it's gotten. Yeah, it's, it's just very funny in the, in the best kind of way. 
Yes. I mean, it's actually, it's, it's ridiculous in how these movies are ridiculously fun. You know what I mean? Like, it's still just fun. You're like, what are they going to call the next one? I do love that the eighth one is called Fate of the Furious because it's just like, what rhymes with eight? The fate. fate. The fe- Perfect. It sounds uh, overly dramatic as well. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, what? Can you just call it Fast and Furious 8? <laughs> I'm still going to see. I don't need a title. It's not Star Wars. I don't really care what the title is. Like, it's fine. <laughs> the title's not going to give anything away to the plot. You're good. It's no. not like the Da Vinci yeah. Code or something. Like, and Too Fast, Too Furious remains my favorite, I think, sequel title of any sequel titles, in my opinion. Because it's just yeah. so. They were like, how do we indicate this is number two? Throw I got it. In there. Just do it. Yeah. Don't throw just one, one, two in there. It's too fast, too <laughs> furious. And it's but not it's, too spelled out. It's the physical number two. Yeah, but it's too fun fast. to say. So they won in the end. We're talking about it. So they won in the end. I was about to say, I I don't hate these titles. They always, like, just going through them sometimes just brings me such joy. Like, Lucas, hearing you list them out, again, I had a stupid grin on my face because I'm like, it's so ridiculous, but it's so indicative of what makes this franchise so great that you're just kind of yeah. like, yeah, no, this yeah. is great. Fast 10 cookout all right they have cookouts in these movies i don't know what you want from me <laughs> cookout that would be I'll funny if the, if the whole movie was just a cookout and that was like it was just one day and the cookout gets interrupted and that's why they have to yeah go from there it's the uh, cookout it, shot in real time they get yeah. richard later to do it it's perfect it's genius genius are you hearing us fast and furious production team we okay. have your 10th movie for you Oddly, I don't think they're going to listen to this. Maybe they will. Maybe you know Vin what? doesn't have much to do in quarantine. He's like, I'll just listen to this. You know what? I'm going to tag Vin Diesel. He, oh, lo- he loves this franchise. Maybe he'll take a look. Vin Diesel, hey, what's up? Hi, Vin. Come on my podcast. <laughs> I'll have a cookout with you. <laughs> he's probably, he's probably going to get mad about talking about the cookout so much. It's like he a won't minor get mad part. at me. It's a minor part of most of the movies. (laughs) He's not going to get mad at me because I was like, the cookouts are great. They're indicative of this franchise. He's not going to get mad at you because you're making fun of the cookouts. I wasn't making fun of them. I was making fun of how you think it's like a key feature of the franchise. It is, though. I'm not wrong. All right. I am going to tag Vin Diesel in this. Vin Diesel, help us sell this argument. Cookouts are vital to the Fast and Furious franchise. I am right. Lucas is wrong. For the record, I do love cookouts. Well, you're uninvited from any cookout I have in the future, mostly because we're in two different countries. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) But also on the principle of the matter. All right, that's fine. (laughs) And on that note... um, On that that lovely note. (laughs) On that lovely note, uh, I think we're going to wrap up. Lucas, thank you uh, again for coming on and making fun of me about the cookout thing and for talking Fast Five with me. Um, I had a wonderful time. I loved, I love talking about these movies and this movie in particular. So thank you for coming on and, uh, helping me out. Thank you for letting me. And my final words are ride or die. Take the wheel. Take the wheel. Trying to uh, think of anything salute, else they salute, say. Salute familia. What'd you say? Oh yeah. Salute me familia. Uh, I'm just going to say some bitch. Cause the rock says it like that. Yeah. And that always cracks me up to no end. I think we've, I think we've hit all the buzzword, like the fast and furious buzzwords. Uh, well, on that note, thank you again, Lucas, and thank you guys for listening, as always. Um, definitely share, if you guys are still enjoying Ghostface Knit, share, uh, 
review. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter. I am at Coco underscore Blinks. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this trip to Rio from your couch. Uh, stay safe, and we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.